Sawate Diskipuli, and welcome again to another episode of Latin and Layman's. Um, yeah, yesterday was a big old one-off because I recorded twice in a row and both times didn't end up recording. I don't know if uh, Spotify for Podcasters was just uh, having a little bit of a finicky thing, but uh, your boy ended up throwing out some really good episodes and then they never recorded, so that was unfortunate put a lot of effort into those, but it's all good. I'm back on it today. Today's June 5th, 2023. And what we're going to do is we're going to do some more mythology this time. What I've realized is since I actually had done that little mess up where, you know, nothing was ever recorded. Now that's given a little bit of time for me to deliberate and kind of change the trajectory on how I wanted to do this. So we're going to do a myth. We're going to actually start out with the myth of uh, Icarus and Daedalus. I know a lot of you guys are very familiar with that story. And we're going to talk about Icarus and Daedalus and also apply um, the moral implications. We're going to understand what, why we have these parables, these myths, like I've talked about before in the past. You know, they just serve as cautionary tales on how humans ought to conduct themselves throughout their lives, or they serve as ideological myths, right? Etiological, however you pr- want to pronounce it, um, referring to things that are explaining the unexplainable, essentially. So if you're curious, if you want to learn something new, Come on with me. Let's do it together. Let's have a good time. And you can just sit back and do a little bit of a story time and sit back, kick your feet up, have yourself your cafefe or whatever you're uh, sipping on at the moment, depending on what time of day it is. Maybe, you know what, maybe you're cracking open a beer. Maybe you're cracking open some OJ. I don't know. I don't know what age demographic I'm talking to right now, but let's get into it. All right, let's get on into it. Once upon a time, a long, long time ago, way off in a faraway land. In fact, in the great city of Athens, there lived an inventor. His name was Daedalus. He had made many wonderful things in his life. He had changed the course of rivers, harnessed the power of the wind. It was said he could even bend nature to his will. Rumors reached Athens of a tremendous fleet of ships crossing the sea. The old men, the old women, gossiped about an invasion. Daedalus forgot the stories the moment he had heard them. He was preoccupied with something far more important, his son's birthday present. What? What to give him? Icarus was a thoughtful child. He would sit on the flat roof of their little house and watch the birds scything through the air above. Of all the birds, he loved the hovering hawks the most. The great day came. Daedalus led his son onto the roof, and there before the boy was a strange feathered thing with a long snake of a tail. What is it? Daedalus was dimly aware of a commotion in the streets below. Let me show you. Within moments, the thing was swooping and soaring. It was a kite the very first kite. Daedalus heard a shout. He looked down. The streets were swarming with soldiers. They wore an armor, the look of which he had never seen before. Emblazoned across their breastplates 
was a strange symbol, a two-headed axe. One of them was pointing at the kite. Now he was pointing at Daedalus. That's him. They were battering the door of his house, and now they were charging up the stairs. Icarus, frantic. We must escape. How? said Daedalus. Fly? And now they were surrounded. The soldiers parted to reveal none other than the king of the island of Crete, Minos. Daedalus, trembling, bowed. Your fame has traveled far across the sea, Daedalus. Stories of the wonders you have made have reached my distant home. He put his hand on Daedalus's shoulder. How would you like to help me make a palace, a tremendous palace, that will scrape the sky, that will be so astonishing to men and women that they will tell us tales of it for long, long, long times? The very next day, Daedalus and Icarus sailed off in one of Minos's ships. On Crete, they were given a mansion. They were feasted every night. When Minos explained his plan for the palace, Daedalus understood the king had been speaking truth when he had said tales of his palace would echo down the ages. It was to bristle with spear-like towers, but it was what would be under the palace that would be the most remarkable. A vast labyrinth of such complexity that no one could escape from it. Daedalus asked the king, what was the purpose of the maze? But Minos would only smile and shrug. Eventually, the palace was complete. It was a frowning fortress that struck terror into the hearts of everyone who beheld it. Daedalus asked for an audience with the king. Now my work is over, I would like to return to Athens. Minos saying, oh, you can't leave. I'll pay you more. There are so many wonderful things I would have you make. Thank you for the offer, but I prefer to return to my city of my birth. Offer, said Minos. I made no offer. You can't leave. You know too much. I can't have that, and I can't have you telling secrets to my enemies. So you'll have to stay here until you die. When he returned to his mansion... Daedalus looked at the beautiful murals painted on the walls, the fountains of the courtyard, and what he saw was a golden cage. He longed for the little house they had left in Athens. He found his son on the roof, as usual, flying his kite. In the months that followed, Daedalus became aware that wherever he went, he was followed by soldiers. The soldiers, for their part, began to wonder if this great inventor had lost his mind. Either he was staring at the sky or gathering fallen feathers. Early one morning, Daedalus shook Icarus awake. Come with me. Upstairs they went, under the bright stars. Daedalus lit a candle. Icarus saw four supple saplings covered in the feathers. As Daedalus tied, one on each of Icarus's arms, he said, Minos controls both land and sea, but he cannot control the air. You and I will fly to freedom. Follow me. If you fly too high, the heat of the sun will melt the wax that binds the feathers to the bark. If you fly too low, 
The waves will splash against the wings, and their sodden weight will drag you down. Ride the gusts I ride. The father and son embraced. They ran to the roof, roof's edge and leapt into the darkness. They beat their feathered arms against the air, and they rose. They rose into the cool sky. Every surging gust of wind made Icarus cry out with joy. Very soon they had left Crete far behind. The sweep of the broad sky was above him. The black sea was beneath. He saw a band of red ahead. Day was coming. Island after island passed by beneath. Some no more than rocks jutting out into the sea. Some people with farms and fields looking above in astonishment. One man looked up, saw Icarus, gasped, and fell. It's a pearl. It's a plane. It's Superman. A plowman in the field stopped, mid-furrow, and stood stock still. A fisherman gaped like a carp. Was that a god? They all asked. Icarus laughed at the little figures shouting, pointing far below. A surge of wind lifted him higher and higher. He lurched, and a feather fell. He looked up to see the bird that had shed it, but above he only saw the fierce eye of the sun. A shower of feathers was fluttering now. Ahead, Daedalus looked back to check on the progress of Icarus and saw the boy tumbling, flailing, screaming, breaking against the ocean. Daedalus, cursing his cleverness, buried the boy's body on a rocky island that was named after him. It was called Icaria. And there you go. The story of Icarus and Daedalus. And as I've said before in the past, these myths kind of change dependent on the author, the audience, who's writing it. And, you know, there are a lot of adaptations. Um, just like how there are a lot of ad adaptations of the Bible, there are a lot of adaptations of the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita. All of these, you know, they, they change a little bit, but still the moral implications, the ideological myths are still embedded in there. They all hold true, and we're going to dive on into it. So let's talk about it. Honestly, sometimes, you know, like when you think about it, Icarus and Daedalus, you're like, oh, well, it's clearly the, the whole thing is about like just listening to your elders or whatever. But I think there's more to that. I think that it is a classic tale of hubris, right? You remember what when I talk about hubris, hubris is essentially challenging the nature of the divine. Um, and as mortal humans, you don't want to do that because there's the difference between the physical and the metaphysical. And when you try and challenge the metaphysical and try and be like that, that's when things go awry, right? So I think that there, um, uh, there are implications of the dangers of overreaching one's limits. Um, I do that all the time. Uh, it's something that I realize that I need to be better about, but some, for some reason, my type A personality um, and epigenetics, because uh, definitely has been passed down through generation for me, for sure. Um, and it's just a learned trait in general. It's heritable, but it's also learned and you kind of, you know, habits, right? We are creatures of habits. And uh, maybe you are kind of that type A personality kind of person that, you know, can definitely tend to overreach, overtrain, over, you know, overdo it. Um, 
Mike, so, you know, like Daedalus is this crafted crap or this skilled craftsman rather, sorry, who was imprisoned on the island of Crete. And in order to escape, he crafted these wings of feathers and wax for himself and his son. Um, the two flew away, but Icarus got too close to the sun and the wax melted, causing him to fall to his death. Now, there is also the aspect of overreaching or maybe, you know, you know, as I was reading in the story, he was getting a little bit too comfortable, right? He was like, oh, look at all these people looking down at me. They think I'm a god. I'm rock on. You know, the winds. It's like sometimes like, you know, it reminds me of I was biking the other day. My dad laughed at me when I told him the story because I shredded my knee big time. But, you know, here I am, you know, I'm riding, you know, and I uh, once you, you know, you you hit a climb and then you on your descent. Oh, man, like nothing is more fun than just flying. I love to go fast reasonably. But got a little too comfortable. The music was a little too awesome. I was getting a little too much into my head. Saw a, cute, a couple cute girls. I uh, averted my gaze. I was kind of jamming on my bike. And guess what? I come to this point where I'm like, I'm going a little too fast. I definitely should have slowed down, hit a little bit of some gravel. Skib it a beep it a bop. Your boy just had to tuck and roll, and he tucked and rolled big time. But those two girls saw that, and that was just like humbling. So luckily, I didn't get humbled and I didn't die like Icarus. But you know, sometimes you, you get a little too much, uh, or like sometimes when I see some guy that's like getting a little too much into their workout and they're they're feeling they're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a push mad weight, you know. I'm, it's like, dude, the, the the girl doesn't really care how much weight you lift, dude. Like, I mean, they're, they're a small fraction of girls that are really going to care what your deadlift PR is. All right, buddy. But for some reason, these guys like to, you know, get their whole masculine thing going. I see it sometimes in the gym and it is blatantly obvious. I love how us dudes are, we're really not smart about a lot of things especially being inconspicuous. We don't know how to do that. We're not smooth, even though we think we're smooth, but we get up in our head and uh, it's kind of like, oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting off into it. Let's, let's talk about it a little bit more of the morals maybe, because maybe a moral might be that humans should not try to reach so high, lest they be brought down by their own hubris, right? That's what I'm thinking. Don't reach too high, but it's also an aspect of reaching high and challenging yourself to those goals that you want to achieve. This warning is very relevant, I think, today as we live in a world where technology is constantly expanding our, our capabilities, especially with AI. So we got to be careful um, not to be so reliant on technology that we forget our own limitations, aka our language and being able to command our language and able to manipulate it and understand it and look deeper into the words that we use on a daily basis because AI is going to start taking over uh, that for us. You know it. I know it. My, uh, people already talk about how they think that, you know, writing is going to be a thing of the past because you can just prompt the AI to just, you know, compile some sort of beautiful, eloquent story. And, um, you know, even even if we are sentient beings that can put more, uh, you know, care and 
thought and diction and weight into the writing that we 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 use or we do or we create or whatever um at the end of the day ai is pretty fast expanding right now it's it's a, it's an x squared curve versus our you know our you know we're we're, we're just like this the slope the slow slope it's kind of like you know we're like the stock market or not we're just we're progressing as humans, we progress, but we're, we're not progressing nearly as fast. I wish I could throw an image of what I'm thinking about right now on a graph and showing that, you know, you guys know what X squared looks like. It's just like an exponential curve. And that's the way that, um, and it's an exponential curve that's going to reach that, um, you know, infinity essentially, right? Because it's going it, to, it's never going to touch the asymptote of the Y uh, axis, but it's just going to keep on going, 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 going all the way to infinity um, without having touched that y-axis. So that's what um, what I'm thinking. And uh, us humans, we don't uh, we don't we don't expand. We don't. Uh, yeah, we haven't we haven't progressed like that. Technology progresses way more fast than we do. But in the classical sense, I would say the story of Icarus and Daedalus can be seen as a cautionary tale about the dangers of hubris, right? Hubris is that form of arrogance or pride that leads people to believe that they are above the laws of nature or mortality or morality or divinity. Really, all of those are all-encompassing. So in the story, Icarus's hubris eventually leads him to fly too close to the sun, and then he falls to his death. skip it a bee a pop But, you know, I don't know. I'm going to, I don't, I don't want to pause it. So I'm just going to take a little swig. Sorry. I hope you guys don't hear me swigging away. Maybe in modernity, the story of Icarus and Daedalus can be seen more as a warning about the dangers of the over-reliance of technology as well. Technology has the power to do great things, but it also can be dangerous. And if not used responsibly, uh, it can be our detriment. With great power comes great responsibility. Spider-Man all the way. Don't at me. Tobey Maguire is OG, 100%. Sorry. That was random. But I don't know. You know, it's a timeless tale. And I think that there are a lot of these things to really, you know, take into mind. Some other ones that we can talk about are the importance of listening to advice. Not thinking that you're, you know, the end-all be-all. If Icarus had taken the heed of his father, who, you know, on the whole, knew so much more than Icarus, but, you know, Icarus is a little bit of an immature boy, and he loved to fly, and that's his issue, you know, and the importance of humility also ties into that, right? Because with the, the hubris that Icarus, you know, exemplified, that led to his downfall, and we should all strive to really be humble and or aware of our limitations, you know, because um, we all are. There are always, there will always be people that are smarter than you, better than you, more attractive, more wealthy, you know, more fortunate. And then there, on the other hand, will be people that are less smart than you, less wealthy, less attractive, less intelligent. I don't know. You know, I'm just... You know, we have to understand that and accept ourselves with where we're at 
at, a, at the current moment. There's also an importance of moderation in this case, right? Icarus was too eager to fly too high. Um, and in this case, probably we should, and, you know, we should moderate our endeavors as well. We should, you know, understand, take a moment, check ourselves if we need to. And it's just this powerful reminder that we should be all careful um, not to overreach. We should listen to the advice. We should be humble and we should be moderate in our endeavors because at the end of the day, we're all growing up still. And Daedalus was growing up with Icarus, but Daedalus had grown up just a little bit more than Icarus had. But that's really what I think. I don't know. Maybe you guys have other, you know, things that you might consider. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I trying to remember all of what you, that I recorded yesterday in terms of this stuff, but you know what? It's all good. It all is coming fresh from my mind yet again. So yeah, I'm going to be doing more of these. Please reach out if you enjoy these. I'm trying to work on, um, you know, being more of the storyteller. I'm considering, I don't know, my brother uh, has written a book and he's kind of reluctant for me to uh, be a, to do it as an audio book, but I'm trying to practice because I would love to help him out and I would love to, you know, at least try one chapter, Rio and the Broken World. It's an awesome book. And I think that, you know, I would really like to help him out. And I do have a little bit of an audience here and maybe you guys might enjoy, um, you know, it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic fantasy um, story of, um, between a, a father and a daughter. It, it, it's very, if anybody has read maybe The Road by Cormac McCarthy or really any sort of that type of um, stylistic um, story, um, it's very similar in a way, but also very diff different. And uh, my brother's a beautiful writer and um, his diction's amazing and imagery and dialogue. And you know what, I was just thinking about it. And although he is reluctant, I want to try and at least do a little beta and, uh, you know, do it as an episode one of these days. So um, I'm just practicing here. And if you guys enjoy that, then that would be, you know, awesome. Um, I also want to shout out uh, somebody uh, added another rating to Apple Podcast. Uh, so we're now up to 19 ratings. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's get it up to 20 maybe maybe 21, 22, 23. I don't know. Um, we're still at, um, I, you know, I, it doesn't show on the computer, but I'll pull it up on my phone here. We're still, I believe at how many ratings on Spotify. All right. Got to do a scrolling and lots of tappity taps. We're at 38. Oh man. You know what y'all? Let's, I'm, I, this is the first time I'm asking you guys a goal. Uh, and if you've gotten this far, thank you. Um, hear me out. If we can get me up to 40 reviews on Latin and layman's on Spotify and 20 on Apple podcasts, that's literally three. I would be so appreciative. I would know that maybe you guys are listening and you're like, Oh, Hey, you know what? I haven't done that yet. I could definitely do that for that dude. Uh, because he uh, really doesn't ask for anything else. I really don't 
<laughs> just give me a star. Five stars, please. Not just one star. But I don't know. I mean, like, maybe I think that it, that it works or the algorithm works in my favor in that way. I don't know. You know, wishful thinking sometimes. But at the end of the day, I I just appreciate you guys. And, um, you know, it's like I always say, it's just me putting in the reps. And I'm putting in the reps, trying to get better at anything and everything that I do in my life. Um, because we all can. And we're all growing. Just like Icarus and Daedalus were. And just like your mom and your dad, and just like I am, and just like you are, and just like your grandparents are, and just like your friends, and just like the little newborn, we're all growing up. So with that being said, thank yourselves. Take that moment. Take your hand and, um, I don't know, put it on your stomach. Thank your stomach. And... Uh, Thank your chest and your trunk. And sometimes I, uh, I hate my stomach. I, I, th this is one that I feel like I need to be more gentle with. You know, it's like, it's like sometimes I get so frustrated at, you know, why, you know, ever, uh, you know, ever since I had been sick back in 2015, you know, my body is just affected by foods differently and, my, my gastrointestinal is just, it's, it's mess, uh, uh, compared to how it was. And sometimes I get so frustrated in myself. I get so frustrated in my stomach and I'm like, why can't you just, why can't you just not be in pain right now? Why can't you just not? Because it, it starts to engulf my mind. You know, it's like when, when you, when you're in pain or when you're in discomfort or it's hard, your, your mind starts to delegate you know, bandwidth to what you're doing versus what's going on interoceptively. Intero meaning inter, in, um, inception refers to like the perception of. Um, so I don't know, you know, sometimes, and I'm just rambling now at this point, but like, you know, sometimes I think we got to take a moment to think the things that even sometimes frustrate us about our bodies, because we're not always happy with everything that we, um, you know, that's going on in our lives. And sometimes my stomach really frustrates me. Like it really does because it creates a lot of anxiety in my life. You know, sometimes I'm like, Oh, you know, you know, it creates anxiety towards certain foods that I know that if I were to eat, I have no idea what kind of, you know, reaction I might have, um, whether it gastro or just systemically in general. And it's just, it becomes frustrating and it becomes very frustrating. And sometimes I don't, I don't give myself a little bit more grace because when I'm telling myself like, oh, I'm trying not to cuss right now. <laughs> Because I can get really angry with these things because it's like, why can't I just, because, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's like with everything in my life and, you know, and this goes on into, I was talking about faith with somebody recently and, and, you know, I was like, you know, faith is something that we, you know, we conduct ourselves in our life with, uh, day in and day out, you know, it's, 
It's like you, you, you in turn, you're going to go to bed tonight. You're going to have a, a bedtime routine. You're going to get ready. You're going to make your food for the, the day coming up ahead. You know, you're getting ready for work. You want to make sure that you have a good night's sleep because you are in turn having faith that you're going to put your head down, you're going to fall asleep. You're going to wake up in the morning. What if you don't, you know? What if, you know, there's an aspect of faith when you wake up in the morning, you know, that you flip a, a, the, you know, the light switch and that, that off goes to on, right? But what if it doesn't turn on? You know, these, the, there are these things that, you know, I, I, I think that there are people that can have so much faith in life and it can be such a beautiful strengthening thing, but it can also be very ena- enabling. And this is where, um, you know, a, a lot of my family, um, uh, not immediate family, but like, you know, that don't really align with me in this way where it's, it's a lot of like, you know, and this is where I get really frustrated is when they tell me things like, oh, you just pray it away, pray it away, you know, blah, blah, this and that, you know, I'm like, you know what? It's just like, I get what you guys are saying, but like, I've dealt with this for eight freaking years. All right. I've done my praying. I even, I was straight up with my grandmother when I was talking to her about this. I was like, you know what, Nanny? I love you so much. And I, I, and you know, I know that they worry about me because I don't, I don't embrace religion like they do. And that's okay because I don't and uh, I never will. So stop sending me scripture passages um, uh, on that, you know, subscription-based thing because I don't read them anyways. And I don't watch the videos, okay? You know, I don't think about God as this overarching dude in this world, you know? He's not this guy that's, you know, delegating things and, you know, you know, it's... Uh, it, what I think is beautiful, I was reading Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas almost thinks about God and the concept of God is just like this entity. It was, it, it's like the way that I think about Brahman within Hinduism. It was after I got confirmed in uh, the Catholic faith, I actually took a comparative world religions class in a, um, at Santa Fe Community College over the summertime. And I remember how it opened my mind. It was a comparative world religions class, but it was taught by a philosophy professor and when I remember the first time talking about Hinduism and Brahman and the concept of Brahman and how it's, you know, omnipotent um, and it's ever present, it's all encompassing and it's everywhere all at once. And we still don't know what it is. It's, it's this thing, but you can't, you can't understand it. You can't describe it because it's metaphysical. It's this divinity. And in order to extrapolate and try and make the metaphysical physical, you're in turn doing disservice to the divinity of it. So you just have to accept that it is what it is and that that's it. You know, it's, I was, I was thinking about, you know, like consider averting your gaze for a second. You know, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to look at a doorknob right now. I'm looking at a doorknob, this silver doorknob in front of me. And it's about, I want to say, roughly six feet away from me. Um, And that's what I see. But what about all of what is in between what I see? You know, all of this air, all of this nothingness, all of this invisibleness. What is that in between? Is that God? Maybe. God equals Brahman equals moksha equals whatever. I think that it's all encompassing love 
and divinity and humanity and just love just love i love love and the people that tout religion and they tout these kinds of things and i'm not trying to generalize by any means but do they love love or do they want to just imbue their own dogma into you which is not love that is ego and that is telling you to do something rather than accepting everyone where they're at with the tools that they have and the cards that they've been dealt with and what experiences they have in their lives to get to the point where they're at. And so I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm like, nanny, I can't, I, I prayed. I've got, I've, I've fought for my faith. I've fought for God. I've stuck up for God in very secular situations in my life. Even as a little kid, I remember Fayette Street Academy. I was a kid. I believed in God. I was surrounded by a bunch of hippy dippy kids. They would always make fun of me. And I always stuck, stood my ground. You know what? God, have you stuck your ground for me? I don't freaking think so. All right. And, uh, you know what? I love this. You know what? I'm here for it. If you guys don't like this, you can you can stop listening. But I've stood I've stood up for God. I don't I you know what? But hey, guess what? I've I I I told my grandmother. I was like, you know, and that this is why it's just it it becomes frustrating when you know people ask me. You know, how, how's, how's your stomach? How, how, how's your health? How, how these things? And I'm like, it's chronic. It's, it's the same. It's always been. And then they tell me to pray it. And I'm like, no, because I've prayed, I've knelt beside my bed. I've pleaded with God and I've said, you know how much more love I could give in this world if I just didn't have to deal with this stupid thing that I deal with every single day of my life. I definitely, I deal with, and you know, that's why I talk about gut health so much now. That's why I am inundated. I have inundated myself with so much information regarding this kind of stuff because it is my life. My body is an experiment that I'm constantly having to, um, work with because every single day at some point in time, I deal with pain or discomfort or something like that. And it takes me out of the present moment, which is something that I don't want to happen, but it's hard to not be, to be present, but also be in pain when you're also having to show up for work, you're having to show up for the people around you. It's very difficult. And so I told my grandmother, I'm like, you know what? God knows how much love I give in this world. They know that. I feel like she probably didn't like the fact that I called God a day, but that's whatever. Because God can be all genders and uh, ethnicities and whatever, in my opinion. He can be, be the freaking spectrum. They can be the freaking spectrum. And, you know, and that, and that's the thing is like, you know what? I know. I know that I could show up so much more. I could do so much more in my life. If, uh, if I didn't deal with it, I know I would because I just know. 
And I still do so much in my life and I give so much of love. And I, and you know what? And hey, God, guess what? I'm talking to you right now because I talk to you all the time, but you don't listen. Will you listen ever? I don't know because guess what? I think love prevails. I don't think praying to nothing prevails. You can have intentions. You can be deliberate. You can be pragmatic. You can be proactive, but you can do so much more than just pray. And that's the frustrating thing is that when I can't, you know, and that's the thing is like, I'm never going to have them understand that. All, all I'm going to say is my thoughts, my opinions, where I'm at. And you know what? It's, it's all true. It's all true. And I know who I am to the core of my being. And for some reason, this whole thing, when, you know, I'm like, why, why, you know, some, why, why, why do I have to deal with this for so long? Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I had to deal with it for a period of my time for it to teach me something, you know, that's what I thought about, you know, thinking about Victor Frankl and the man's search for meaning and turning one's suffering into their purpose. Like at this point, I'm just suffering with this, this chronic stuff. Like, I don't see what purpose it's, it's giving me because I've become resilient. I have persevered. I have, you know, and nobody knows what I deal with and I don't explain it to anybody. I don't tell anybody because at the end of the day, nobody understands and I'm not going to have them understand. And I don't want to have to explain it over and over and over and over again because people aren't going to understand. And it's one of these things where it's just. Like I tell my students that have, you know, learning disabilities or, um, you know, maybe uh, they're on 504s or IEPs or they struggle with, uh, you know, these kinds of things. I look them dead in the face and I'm like, you know what? You are amazing because think about it this way. You know, you are playing this life, this video game of life and Look at all your friends around you. you they were, they're playing this video game as well. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're NPCs. But a lot of them were given this video game on medium mode or maybe even easy mode depending on the cards they're dealt. But you know what? You're amazing because you're having to do this, but you are having added difficulties. It's like you chose or, or well, life had you choose to play this game on hard mode or maybe even like hardcore mode, you know? And that's just, you know, you're just gonna, you're, you're just gonna level up faster. You're gonna, you're gonna level up and you're gonna continue to level up if you work towards it, you know, and that's, that's just the way that it is. You know, it's like, we have these extenuating factors in our lives that people are not going to understand. And it's just going to make our lives more difficult. And we just got to, uh, got to embrace it. And that's the way that it, uh, that I've embraced it now. But at the same time, it's like, you know what, I'm not going to pray to somebody to take it away from me or whatever, or like to, to give me guidance or whatever, because at the end of the day, they're not listening and they never will. And they never have, even though I've stuck up for them and I've stuck up for them in very vitriolic situations. But you know what? Until I feel like I have a reciprocal relationship with God, um, I'm just going to rely on love. And I'm going to rely on the love that I give to everybody else. And, um, you know, and it being reciprocated in that same framework. And maybe it's not. And like I've said before in the past, you know, my empathy has crippled me in the past, but that's okay. It has. People have taken advantage of me. 
people have looked at me in a way where they're like, oh, you're weak. You're vulnerable. You, t- you, you speak too much. You know, me throwing out my cards like this, like Southern mentality would say, like, you're a little B-I-T-C-H. Like, that's what that, that, I am a little B-I-T-C-H, guys. Because I speak my mind and I am honest. I am truthful. And that's the thing is like everybody else is like, oh, out of sight, out of mind. If I'm not talking about it, if I'm not thinking about it, man, I'm not going to think about it. You know, and that's, you know, I'm not going to deal with this kind of BS anymore. You know, I'm not dealing with these people that go to church and talk about how they give so much, give so much to the church. And, you know, it's all about this and that. And man, have I gotten controversial and I apologize. But you know what? It just is what it is. And you know what? I think if you're going to be a good person, you don't have to tell everybody about how good of a person you are. You inherently know that you're a good person. You don't have to tell about all the money that you give to the church or all the donations that you give or, you know, all the good things and how past you are in nature. You know, it's stupid. All right. And it's inconsequential. And it's a quiet way of explaining, of saying that you are uh, creme de la creme, the upper echelon, and that God has a place for you uh, in the the kingdom of heaven and whatever. Um, and it's just, no, do the work and then don't tell anybody about it and just know that you did it for yourself and that it enriched your soul. That's not what they do. They do it in order to elevate their own image. That's what I, that's why I can't stand going to church anymore is because that's what it was. It was just about everybody stroking their own dicks. Sorry. But it's true. A lot of the time. God, I feel like I'm a, I'm about to lose a lot of people. Uh, and uh, you know what? This is just me, you guys. I, I am... I'm just a... I, I, I'm... It's hard for me. It's like I told you guys, you know, I was religious coming into high school and I came out telling my, my principal at the time, I came out very agnostic because all the people around me, not only was I relentlessly bullied by my friends, quote unquote friends, but I was also just like relentlessly bullied because I was unique. I was different. I was vulnerable. I don't know. Kids call me Fat Potter because I look like Potter, Harry Potter, but a chubbier version of him, which I wasn't even that chubby. It's just like that's how ruthless kids are, you know, whatever. But I started to look around. I was like, all these people are just so nasty. Where's the love? You know, I don't see it across the aisles from left or right. There's no love there. There's no love in this world right now. And I don't think that religion is pushing a lot of love either. I think that we have to push love. I don't know why. I just went on this rant about love. But I think it all stemmed from me trying to thank my stomach. And so I'm going to bring it back full circle. Full stop. Take your hand. Place the palm of your hand to your stomach because I'm doing it right now. And thank your stomach.
think I'm going to cry. Sometimes I know I could be so much more in this world without it or without all this pain. Thanks for being with me all. I'm trying really hard to thank my my stomach and my my intestines and my colon. All my smooth musculature and all the epithelial tissues and squamous and pseudostratified columnar and yeah, it's sometimes really hard when it frustrates me so much in my life. Happy Monday, y'all. And until next time, Tempest to Sketerite.